1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Oh, yeah. On your home for the best Ravens coverage. Time it's time for News from the New Nest, Nest, Nest with Vinny and Hades. Sponsored by Hillside Lawn Service, the experienced lawn care specialists. 1057 The Fan.
1: Gideon The Fan here you on know, this Woman Crush Wednesday. Now raining here in the Charm City. Bob Hattie, Vitty Serato, Nolan McGraw. Other side of the glass. Ravens off the bye this week, taking on the Rams. Rams have won three in a row. Ravens are seven, seven and a half point favorites, depending on your favorite odds makers. They're here to talk about that and more as we head into week 14 already of the NFL season of 23. He's on the WGK Law guest hotline. He's with DraftKings. Let's talk to Mike Golick Jr. Mike, what's happening, buddy? Thanks for joining us here on The Fan.
2: No, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. How you doing?
1: Doing all right, dude. Appreciate it. And the Zach Wilson stuff before we get to the Ravens and the AFC and the powerhouses there. Uh, Viddy and I were talking about it last segment. I know Aaron Rodgers went uh, napalm on your uh, former network there, ESPN, about leakage coming out of the Jets uh, complex. Zach Wilson, whatever the truth may be, we'll find out sooner or, enough, sooner or later. But w- how does this sort of thing happen? The kid's already been through enough, I guess, a lot of it's self-inflicted because of uh, the performance on the field. But why does this happen now and when and who does this benefit, whether or not the story is true or not?
2: I mean, I, I guess if we're trying to place who would benefit from leaking this story, probably the Jets if they want Zach Wilson to be out there and they feel like for whatever reason he had some trepidation about that or might try and pull himself out of that situation. That's the only thing I could really come up with in this because – it makes everybody look bad, quite honestly. It was designed to make Zach Wilson look bad. And listen, part of this is the difference of quarterback in every other position. If Zach Wilson maybe in an honest moment was talking to a teammate or somebody trusted in the building and asked, hey, if I think I'm trying to find a home somewhere else next season, is the risk of me getting injured versus the reward of me going out there and maybe playing better and showing a prospective team that down the stretch, I don't know. But when it comes out like this, it looks like he's running from the game. And the last thing you want to be seeing, especially for someone in Zach Wilson's position, is like you're running from the game. And so I think Aaron Rodgers is right in one thing, which is, this is the hallmark of a bad organization. The Jets have been a bad organization, especially dealing with this position for a long time. So I guess we shouldn't be all that shocked that it's played out this way for
1: them. Staying in the division, and we'll move to Buffalo with the Bills, 6-6. Six and A six, lot of tough Ls, including the one against Philly. A couple of weeks back, if there's a major malfunction, Mike, with Buffalo, what is it right now?
2: Uh, honestly, I think it's just been the turnover situation. And uh, I think the one thing outside of that we could point to is The decay on defense, right? Injury has taken its toll on this unit, especially down the spine of the defense. They've lost some of the best players on that group at the defensive tackle level, the linebacker level, and the safety level in a way that was always trending in this direction. We've seen their counterparts atop the AFC, right? The Kansas City Chiefs have had to make a hockey line change really in their secondary on the back end there. Swap out old for new, think Tyron Matthew, just uh, you, know, you know putting Reed in back there for him. The Cincinnati Bengals went through this, this last offseason, losing guys in that back end, and then having to swap them in for younger players. Buffalo hasn't yet made that transition, and so this was always a worry going into the year, was that, yeah, they had quality players, but not as much depth, and so you combine that with an offense that was giving the ball away a little bit more, the defense less able to withstand that, and you get the kind of skid in the middle of the year that you got with them.
3: Hey, Mike, what do you think of the Rams? Three in a row they've won. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, part of it is you've got to look at competition, but in general, I think this Rams team has done a really
2: good job of injecting life through their draft classes into this team. I mean, we know Puka Nakua kind of leads mm-hmm. the charge for that revelation, but defensively, some of the young performers they've got in the linebacker and secondary level around Aaron Donald, I, I think all of it is a testament to a front office that punted on draft picks for a long time in the name of of winning a Super Bowl in the here and now. And I would say in addition to that, has also done a really good job of keeping Matthew Stafford's jersey clean. To me, them beating the Cleveland Browns, where Joe Flacco's at quarterback, not all that surprising, but them keeping Matthew Stafford from getting sacked in a game where you're going up against one of the top, if not the top defense in the NFL, where Miles Garrett is one of the space aliens you're tasked with blocking on the other side. I thought the way that they went about that and the performances they got from guys like Kyron Williams and company, being able to grind out a living on the ground there as well is a really good sign for maybe not this season. You know, they could be a fringe playoff team in the NFC expanded playoffs, but Going forward, they've got some young players to build around in a core that was trying to transition and stick the landing coming off the Super Bowl.
3: Hey, Mike, what do you think of the AFC North now that uh, three of the quarterbacks are out?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, what a prime opportunity you've got. And and to be fair now, we can't totally discount the Cincinnati Bengals. We have to wait and see if this Jake Browning experience is going to be more than a one-game sample size where he went absolutely nuts and gave us one of the best quarterback performances in terms of yards and all the statistics that we've probably seen all season. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin are never out of anything because it's the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Although I, I don't know if we look at Najee Harris's tepid endorsement of Mitch Trubisky's leadership and everything there from today, <laughs> uh, that might not inspire a ton of confidence in them, but you know, respect earned from Mike Tomlin and company there. And so I, I think ultimately this is the Ravens division to lose at this point. You've got other compelling units, other compelling stories, but Baltimore is the most complete team in this division. And, uh, you know, they're a team that right now, I think is worried about higher order needs, right? Where are you at in terms of the one seed, that jockeying with a Miami team you'll see late in the season and trying to make sure that the road to the AFC championship does not go through Arrowhead for once in this decade.
3: Hey, Mike, do you think the uh, college football playoff committee got it right?
2: No, I I think they made the wrong decision, but they got the right four, if that makes sense. Like, Florida State should have made it, point blank, simple, based on the way we know sports to be, what the goal of competition is supposed to be. They got it wrong in terms of giving us a really compelling TV product and a bunch of competitive games. They got it right from that standpoint. Alabama will absolutely be a better out, but that's not the point. This isn't supposed to be a beauty pageant, like we've heard plenty of people say. And so that was a step backward, even if it's going to be covered up by the fact that we get really good games on the other side.
3: All right, Mike, since all your family, Notre Damers, and uh, what do you think of Marcus Freeman? Is he in over his head?
2: No, I don't think so. I think, listen, this is a, a coach who's in his second year ever as a head coach at one of the most high-profile jobs in the country. And in the first year, he won nine games, including the bowl game. In the second year, he won nine games in the regular season. And while the standard for Notre Dame, towards the back half of Brian Kelly's tenure, had been, hey, you're going to win double-digit games every year and you're going to be a playoff team, in the conversation at least, at the end of every year, for this to be a coach who, again, is in just his second year ever of doing this at 36 or 37 years old, he's been able to man the ship pretty darn well. There were some very public miscues in big moments like the ohio state game and the 10 men on the field thing mm-hmm. but no i think between on the field and then now watching notre dame navigate life in modern college football in the portal to be players for some of the big names in the quarterback market that you hear rumored out there like riley leonard leaving duke some of the wide receiver commits they've already got i think that's encouraging to see marcus freeman being able to lean into modern college football in a way that I just wasn't sure how Notre Dame was going to be involved going into it.
1: Mike Gullick Jr. joining us here, Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan with DraftKings. All right, Mike, last thing for you, since Vinny brought up the college landscape, you brought up the portal. I believe there are more quarterbacks in the portal than there are actually roster spots available (laughs) in all of D1 college football. How does this, and I know they're expanding the playoffs next year, and players might be more inclined to stick around for their bowl game, uh, unlike we see now, but what's going to happen? What's the end? Endgame here with the portal does do bigger powers than the NCAA and above get involved here to maybe uh, reign this in just a little bit. Uh, no, I think the one thing that's become abundantly
2: clear is like nobody's coming to save college football's power makers and the people in charge of this. And it's a good reminder. No one's in charge of college football. No one's ever been in charge of college football. The NCAA comes in and punishes every once in a while. The <laughs> CFP technically makes decisions for this. But ultimately, this thing has always succeeded in spite of itself. And it's going to find a way to again in this process. But no, I don't think guardrails are coming. The one thing Congress and the high courts have made clear is they side with the players. They're looking at the NCAA model and going, yeah, this looks kind of messed up, guys. We can't have your back on this. So I think you could tinker with some of the calendar dates in this, right? We've got the two transfer portal windows right now. We've got some questions about how that might operate relative to bowl season, national signing day, in a way that makes a little bit more sense. But in the interim, no, I don't think anyone's coming to save them. And so everyone better get used to the current system.
3: Hey, Mike, you know what I don't like about the the current system is – Kids don't want to handle adversity. The the way they handle adversity is they leave. I mean, if we'd have done this in 88 when we won a national championship, a lot of those guys would have been gone, you know, because they weren't playing right away and stuff. So I'm not crazy about it. You know, guys go to three or four schools. What does a degree mean anymore?
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's a good point, but what did a degree ever mean, right? How many stories did we hear about shadow curriculums and stuff that was put in front of players just to get them onto the football field but had no real value once they got to life? A diploma a piece of paper, and education's what you get with the internships and the opportunities that so many of these schools weren't doing right by players anyway. So I always question what the value of the education of the degree was supposed to be given how we had forced football to be the number one priority in these players' lives. Everyone transfers for different reasons. I I do think that there's going to be some of that players running from certain situations, but hell, you know what? It's, It's like that gambling PSA that used to pop up. I learned it by watching you. College players have watched college coaches run to better and easier opportunities since the dawn of time, and especially with all this money out there. So I don't know how we can ask the players to behave any differently than they've watched the people that are supposed to be leading them behave for decades now.
1: Well, the new gambling line is only bet what you can afford to lose, whatever that means. He's Mike Gullick Jr. Mike, tell everybody what's going on with DraftKings, you and your dad making that sports talk thing happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Gojo and Golik, eight to ten a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, all five days a week. You can catch us on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, Roku. DraftKings Network has the great platform on there with us, the Dan Levitard Show, Oddball with Amin El Hassan, Charlotte, Wild, Charlotte Wilder. If you want your NBA fix in there, but. We're gonna be rocking and rolling in there wherever you get your podcasts. And uh yeah, we're gonna try and make sense of all this, man. Sport's a big fun, chaotic
3: mess, and we're gonna do our best to help out with
1: the call Mike Colic Junior, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your woman crush Wednesday.
3: Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Appreciate
1: it. You got it. Tvitty and Haney, one oh five seven the Panwell Cub back. Count our money. How about that cash? Let's forget about this uh, portal in the NIL. Where's our money? We'll find out in a minute with buy or sell. Walt Williams is going to be joining us. Talk about Maryland. Got to put the basket or the ball in the basket. They've really struggled to do so this year. That's why that four and four record is so annoying. Penn State coming in four and four loses of four in a row. So something's got to give down at College Park. And you can hear that game on the fan. We got Benny's film breakdown of the Rams. We're going to start that coming up later in the hour. NFL lunch coming up one o'clock. They. Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com. Talk about the NFL Week 14 and also get an idea who are some of these draft prospects
0: rising up the board. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and
3: get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: Are you buying? Great cash, homie. Or are
3: you selling?
0: I'm not going to buy into that crap. Sponsored by Window Nation.
3: There's so much to love about the fall, especially the return of Window Nation's best offer of the year. Get two windows free for every
0: two you buy, plus pay nothing for two years. Call 866 90 Nation
3: or online at windownation.com.
0: 1057
1: Five seven the fam. What's happening, everybody? On this rainy now, looks like a woman crush Wednesday in the Charm City. Bob Eddie Vinny Sorato. Tons going on. World of sports. We we'll get to as much as we can in our time allotted. Right now, let's count that money though.
3: By yourself. All right, the Dow is up fifteen. The S and P's down a Um Nasdaq's up fifteen. Draft Kings is down twenty eight cents. And Under Armour's up 15 cents.
4: We'll start here in the NBA. The Magic, maybe the biggest surprise so far this season. A 14-6 record that has them among the top teams in the East right now. A young core, Banqueiro, Wagner, Anthony, all producing at a level that many people thought was maybe still a year or two away. And while no one's penciling them into the conference finals yet, this early season equity does count for something. Buy or sell, Bob. The Magic will finish as a top four seed in the East. I'm going to sell
1: that because you still look at Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. I mean, the Knicks got spanked last night. I would assume they might be aggressive at the trade deadline. Supplement their talent. They're going to the playoffs, Orlando is. Don't forget Jalen Suggs, who's had his moments as well for Orlando. But I'll sell right now, Nolan, on December the 6th, that they're a top four seed.
4: Well, in the NFL, there's going to be plenty of coaching vacancies this offseason and rumors already circulating in Chicago. Josina Anderson reporting the Bears are looking to move on from Matt Eberflus and have Eric Bieniemy tabbed as an ideal replacement. Hearing that name and head coaching rumors become somewhat of a yearly tradition at this point. Uh, but how has this year with Washington impacted his stock, so to speak, by herself, Vinny, Biennemi has lost some of his luster after a year with the Commanders.
3: I'll buy it. I'll buy it. You know, I mean, what has he done to prove that he can be the head coach? I mean, he's gotten his quarterback killed. I mean, they throw for a ton of yards, but they don't win games. So, I mean, I don't I don't see Eric Biennemi getting a head coaching job. If you go back three years ago,
1: for instance... I would have been willing to bet whatever money I got left, which ain't a lot, that he'd already been a head coach by now. Right. Riding the uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes wave, but hasn't worked out for him. And I'm guessing with uh riverboat run on the outs, uh, Eric the Enemy's probably going to be unemployed here in another month and a half because they're going to clean house, I'm guessing, Vinny in D.C.
3: Right. And, and if you're another team, how can you – um, if he's that good, why wouldn't they promote him –
4: mm-hmm there we'll go back to uh, or over to baseball rather the dodgers played mookie betts at second base quite a bit last year in addition to his usual role in the outfield now entering 2024 dave roberts says that mookie betts is going to be their everyday second baseman you may be asking yourself why would a team rush to move a six-time gold glove outfielder to the infield but maybe that speaks to his overall defensive ability Buy or sell Bob, Betts will join an elite group of players to win Gold Glove at multiple positions. Ooh, I'll go ahead and buy that because the dude,
1: as you said, premier right fielder, he's a 300 bowler, so if he sets his mind to it, he's going to be good at it. He was a top three MVP candidate again. I'm going to buy that. Not saying he's going to be Robbie Alomar defensively, but he'll be good enough to get
4: noticed for sure. Well, we talked about this quite a bit already today, the whole Zach Wilson saga, but a different way to look at this maybe. Uh, The uncertainty at the position went from Wilson to Boyle, the Simeon. Boyle's now out. We got Brett Rippin in the picture. And after all that, Robert Sala wants to go back to Zach Wilson as the starter. But as we know, the reports came out that Wilson wasn't so quick to agree to that because of a reported injury risk. That was part of the report, the leakage Aaron Rodgers, as we said, he called it BS. Time will tell. But Vinnie sell? if Zach Wilson was refusing the opportunity to start again, that would officially kill his career.
3: Um, I'll buy it. I, I think his play on the field has officially killed his career. I think that's what people are looking at. You know, with Robert Solid, what's the definition of insanity? Keep, right. You know, I mean,
4: he's doing it. Uh, And we'll close with this one here in baseball as well. The Tigers, uh, they're going to keep going with A.J. Hinch. They're going to keep him around a little bit longer. Announced earlier this week that they've extended their manager through the 2025 season. He's been in charge there since 2021 when they went through a soft rebuild. Then they started spending a little bit. Expectations grew. Despite that, three straight losing seasons for them. Buy or sell, Bob, without significant improvement In 2024, Hinch will not finish his contract. Well, how long is the extension? Uh, Just through 2025. Uh, I'll buy it because they've had some big-time draft picks
1: too. And now Casey Mize got hurt, who was the number one pick a couple years ago. It's a winnable division. There's no powerhouse team there. So I'm guessing the people that make those decisions to Detroit – They want to see some progress here in 2024. So I'll go ahead and buy that news coming out here at the NFL real quick. Christian Kirk going to be out eight weeks, eight weeks, Jacksonville. So he will not be on the field with the Ravens. This is Pat McAfee watching the little crawl here. Talking about that first play of the game, right? His first catch, 26 yards, hurt his hammy. Looks like he's going to be out for eight weeks. So there's some uh, bad news for Jacksonville, but I guess good news for the Ravens secondary. We'll come back. Bad news has been Maryland shooting threes in men's college basketball all year long. Walt Williams is always smiling, man. Is there a frown on his face talking about that future performance? We'll preview Maryland Penn State. And then Betty's film breakdown of the Rams begins around 1245 or so.
0: Taking sports to a whole new level. 1057 the Fan.
1: Vide Haiti 1057 the Fan. Woman Crush Wednesday. Bob Haiti, video Serato. Returning the beat around, everybody. Anything you want to hear from your favorite female artist or band? Send a request to the Plaza Port Text line at 410-583-1057-Nolan McGraw. Ready, spin the tunes for you. Maryland men back on the hardwood tonight taking on Penn State down at the Xfinity Center, a game you can hear on the fan. On the call will be Johnny Holiday, Chris Knocky, and our next guest joining us on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. He's your friend and mine. He's a stud, and he knows it, and so do you. He's the wizard, Walt Williams. Walt, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? Doing all right, dude. And let's go back to Friday against Indiana, if we must, because you have to watch the film and look at the things that went wrong. And we know Maryland can't shoot. The stats say that through the first eight games, which we'll get to. But did you notice, Walt, watching the game, that maybe the effort level wasn't as 100% as it should have been?
5: Well, yeah. You know, uh, you can see that uh, a few of the players were getting frustrated. And it, it started to affect uh, the effort level out there. And uh, you know, when you, when you're struggling to that extent, uh, sometimes that can creep in.
1: Now, you got, I don't want to single out Dante Scott, but you got these fifth year seniors and Kevin Willard himself even said so after the game, uh, talking about his veteran players. And I'm guessing Jameer Young kind of got a pass because he was the only guy, you know, putting points on the board. But, you know, watching Dante Scott, Walt, as you have his entire career, what are you noticing from him now in his fifth year in college park?
5: Well, I mean, you know, he's a guy who, like you said, he's a veteran guy. He's a big body. He can uh, sometimes he can shoot the ball from the outside. He's much better around the basket. But, you know, over the years, he just hasn't been consistent with uh, what he's been able to do and bring to the table. And uh, so that, that's continuing. So uh, there's there's no real difference in things. We've We've seen that part before. And so just hoping that at some point he can just be a bit more consistent and uh, being effective out there.
1: Walt Williams joining us here. Vitti and Haney, 105.7 The Fed Bob Haiti, Viddy Serato. Now, Walt, Maryland, from three this year, shooting 22.7%, which is one of the worst percentages in the uh, country and not everybody could shoot like you and a young me, Walt Williams, but you know, 22%, that's like, Oh my God, you'd have to even try to be that bad at it. What has to change for Kevin Willard? What, what's the malfunction for them trying to put the ball in the basket right now?
5: Well, I can honestly say that when you say 22%, I, I'm like, man, that's higher than I thought. I (laughs) thought it was in the teens somewhere, you know. Um, You look at that last Indiana game, I think it was like uh, 12% or something. So, um, you know, they've been consistent with missing shots from the outside. And the things you have to do to overcome that is getting into the paint more, trying to score in the paint area more, getting to the free throw line and things like that and, and controlling glass, you know, controlling the rebounding. Uh, you have to be a much more physical mm-hmm. team if you're not able to shoot the ball uh, uh, from the outside. You talk about Jameer and uh, Julian; those guys they've been decent and uh, thus far this year. But you need more of a collective uh, uh, effort mm-hmm. from from others. You know, the, when you don't have uh, a, a person who is dominating the game then it's got to be a a team effort collectively on a consistent basis that can do things offensively. And right now, um, they just haven't been able to do that. We're hoping at some point that, you know, these shooters can find their range because these guys are shooting the ball. They're not shooting the ball uh, the way they're capable of and So, um, and they're getting great, good shots, too. So you're just hoping at some point that they can get their legs and uh, and, and start to be a little bit more consistent than uh, 20% from the
1: line. Yeah, it was 12.5%, by the way, Friday against Indiana, Maryland, 2 for 16. Now the freshman, I mean, Deshaun Harris-Smith, he comes in, big accolades, and you can see that he's certainly a talented young man, same with Jamie Kaiser. But through eight games, the good and the bad of the freshmen so far.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that if you evaluate the high school level, you can see that there's a difference when you get to the college level. Um, You know, uh, Harris Smith, he's a strong kid. You can see that when he gets to the basket, when he gets going downhill, he's a handful to deal with. But uh, he's going to have to be able to shoot the ball from the outside in some respects. You know, it's mid-range and being able to shoot from three. Uh, he accepts the challenge on the defensive end, and those things are great, but, you, but you're you not going to be able to make a living uh, getting to the basket every time. So he's going to have to uh, be better uh, from the outside and work on that in the off offseason. Uh, Kaiser, he's a kid that also you, you look at and you think that he can be uh, very impactful early on in his career. Um, for me, I think that this guy, when you see him play in high school, you see that, oh, this guy's a shooter, but the, the college game is a much more intense game and um it's not the same as high school and i think for him he has to uh um uh zone in on getting himself into a rhythm getting up and down the court taking normal three point shots instead of shooting from the five second line when he first comes into the game he's not that prolific of a shooter to you know to step on the court and start doing that so he has to he has to understand that uh, don't feed him to the hoopla of how great people tell him he is of a shooter. You understand that when you step on the court, he has to get into a rhythm. He knows, he should know that for himself uh, according to, you know, the work he's been putting in and, and what has happened thus far in playing in, in this college environment. And so I think he's capable of getting it going, but it's about getting it going. And I think that how he can do that is uh, starting off by searching and hunting for shots that's closer to the three-point line getting himself into a rhythm uh, before he starts
3: to launch the low. Hey, well, you know what's tough for these kids? Because I'm sure mentally they're banging on their heads trying to figure out why they can't shoot. But wherever they go, class, groceries, wherever, people are asking, are you guys ever going to make any shots? So, I mean, it mentally it's got to be really, really tough on them.
5: I mean, you know, hey, I, I rewind back to, to my days and it's, you take it with a grain of salt, if you're doing fantastic and everybody blowing you up and telling you how how great you are and then when you're not, you got to expect the the the, um, uh, the opposite will happen and so it's all relative and you're not as great as people saying you are when you're doing well and you're not as bad as, as they say, y'all, when you're not doing well. So, um, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, you, you need to focus on internally how you feel about yourself and, and when you look in the mirror, what do you see, and wh- what kind of changes can you make uh, to impact this game individually to help the team collectively?
3: What do you think about the game tonight, Walt?
5: Uh man, it's another tough one. We talk about Big Ten action. Whenever you see that, it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough, uh, tough game. And so. Um, I mentioned earlier, you're not shooting the ball well from the outside, so you got to get to the basket more. This is a perfect game where you got to display that, um, getting the ball inside uh, to Julian uh, when Dante is in the game, making sure he's having a concerted effort of being around the basket and trying to take advantage of, of the paint area. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to start hitting the shots from the outside, you know, um, especially guys who can hit the shot. But I think that you start feeling good and you start having a rhythm and you're feeling good about what you can do all offensively uh, when you can get it going. And I think uh, with this construction of this Turk team, uh, the way they can get it going is uh, getting to the basket. You know, Jameer Young, uh, he's fantastic in the pain area as well. Um, He's he's controlling the environment. So, you know, they have so many guys who can – be effective in that paint area and i think that's how you got to start games off trying to uh, put your imprint on the game and how you're going to play the game and then as we go along you 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 know you're going to have open shots and you know you take them in hey it's just you got to start making but i think it makes you feel good when you're starting off and and you're scoring um, and the way that they can do that is in the paint area
1: He's the Wizard, Walt Williams. He'll be on the call tonight. Maryland against Penn State with Johnny Holiday, Chris Naki. Walt, tell everybody, hey, the holiday season's coming up, and yes. people like to get festive. And I know there's a vodka that you'd like to recommend for all of our listeners out there, Radio Land.
5: Oh, man, you already know, man. Clutch vodka, <laughs> the best vodka on the market. You know, gluten-free, no sugar, no carbs. Um, you know, it's 100% corn. We organically filter ours, and that's why you get that, that smooth, crisp taste uh, that's second to none. So uh, make sure you, you purchase your bottle of clutch vodka. Um, we, we're working on, we're finalizing um, um, uh, the terms of uh, being able to donate a portion of our sales to uh, the NIL program from the University of Maryland and, and, and see what we can do to, to help uh, the program recruit uh, the best players in the country.
1: He's Walt Williams, the Wizard. Walt, as always, great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your Woman Crush Wednesday. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. There's Walt Williams, everybody. It's Vinnie and Haney, 105. Seven of the fan Zach Wilson, going to start Sunday for the Jets against Houston. So all that hubbub means nothing. Robert Sala says he's going back to Blondie this Sunday.
0: Breaking down
3: every last second of game tape for Sunday's matchup. Who's your connection.
4: You sound like a cop to me.
3: Who's your connection. Enter Vinny's film room on 105.7 on 105.
1: The Fan. Vinny 105.7 The Fan, here on this Woman Crush Wednesday. Ravens hosting the L.A. Rams coming up Sunday. One o'clock, m Bank Stadium. Ravens seven-point favorites in this game. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. Ravens coming off the bye at 9-and-3. Back at practice today. Media is going to be there. John Harbaugh is going to talk. Lamar usually talks on Wednesday, so we'll hear from all the fellas and beyond coming up tomorrow. Yeah. But the Rams are coming to town. And LA's won three in a row, including last week, over the Cleveland Browns, L.A. 6-and-6. Six six.
3: Three and three on the road. So, Vinny, let's talk about those L.A. Rams a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what, offensively, Bob. I mean, their receiving core—they're that's a pretty good group. Uh, Tutu Atwell, he's a little guy. He'll be number five. He's fast, and they'll hand him the ball on jet sweeps. He'll run deep routes, but he's small and quick. And then uh, Cooper Cup—he's reliable. He's just like Mister Reliable. He's going to catch the short ones, catch on third down, catch them in the flat. He just doesn't seem like he runs as well as the other guys right now. And then um Puka Tell you what, uh, Nakua. Yep. That, that dude's got 77 catches, Bob. He's got 118 targets. And he's averaging 13. He's got over He's got 19 plays over 20 yards receiving. That's unbelievable and he's got 407 yak yards. So he he can make plays after the catch. I mean, he took one to the house last week against Cleveland. But he's he's a good player, and yeah, he showed some speed on that yes, run too. Yes, he did. And he can adjust to the football. They just throw it up, and he goes and gets it. That's the thing with him, and I think that's what makes the passing game you know pretty good for them. Tyler Higby, a tight end, he's he's a decent tight end. You know, so they got some offensive weapons, and then. You know with Kyron Williams the running back, he's been playing great for them. I mean, he's got he's averaging 5.1 and he's got 7 touchdowns and he's got 22 catches. So, he's kind of he's helped them out a bunch and is give them and he's helped Stafford out because being able to run the football really helps their pass game instead of just him having to drop back all the time. Now the offensive line, Alaric Jackson is the left tackle. He's 6'7, 285. Now you can bull rush him, 285 pounds. So I mean if if they're listening at 285, he's probably 280 or less. But they do a better job, in my opinion, in the run stuff on the left side of the line with uh Jackson um coming off the ball. And he's athletic. And I think um, well, the, the left guard is Steve Avia. He's a rookie, and he's a big dude. He's six three, three thirty-two. And he, sh- he struggles a little bit athletically. And you can beat him one-on-one in pass. I think if Matabike can get lined up with him one-on-one, I think they got a chance to do some some damage there. And at center is um, Coleman Shelton. And with Shelton, doesn't, he doesn't look like a real big guy on film. And I think that Michael Pierce will be able to and Travis Jones. Power. Bull rush him and to move him back. And then the right guard is Kevin Dotson. Um, he's 6'4, 321. He he's a big guy too. And they do it, they do a nice job coming off in the run stuff and then comboing up, but they don't get a ton of movement. They're they're best when they can get on the outsides. <laughs> That's when they get their runs. And then on the cutbacks. So they push everybody one side and then the running back cuts back and they love the jet sweeps and they'll do it to all their receivers. They'll, they'll do it with two, two. They'll do it with, um, Puka and they'll do it with Cooper cup. They'll, they like to get the edges and that's going to be a big thing for the Ravens is, is to protect the edges. And the Ravens have had some problems in the past on the edges. That's going to be a big part. Now, if it's raining and slick, then maybe that makes it harder to go east-west, and you got to go more north-south. But And then Matthew Stafford. Stafford doesn't take sacks. He's smart. He's not going to run because he's been hit and hurt so many times. He's not going to run. He's going to throw the ball away. They'll boot him. You know, just think of West Coast-type offense. They'll boot, sprint him out, get him out of the pocket some. But I think if they can get pressure, the Ravens, up the middle, A-gaps, you know, between the centers and the guards. I I think that will affect, that's going to affect him the most. Now, coming from the outside, they're going to be able to get some pressure from the outsides. I think Clowney will be able to get some pressure because Haverstein, the right tackle, he's 6'8", 330, and his movement's not great. So, I think they'll be able to, but I think the ball's going to be gone by then. That's the only problem. That's why coming up inside, And I think the stunting, the twisting and stunting for the Ravens. Cleveland tried to blitz a lot and bring people, and they never, they never, they didn't get a sack. They never got a sack because the ball came out. And then when you're bringing as many people as they did, then you're in man coverage. Then you got to make plays, and that's when um, uh, Puka went like 70 some yards for a touchdown, and he outran everybody. Yep. So that that's going to be, you know, key there. So. I just think getting pressure up the middle on Stafford is going to be really critical, and then the edges in the run game.
1: (coughs) Now, the Rams did sign Mason Crosby, 39-year-old kicker, to their practice squad because they've had some issues at place kicker this year, this uh, Lucas Habercik. He's having a hard time uh, putting the ball through the uprights there.
3: Yes, and they want to make a run, and Mason Crosby's a veteran guy who played for the Packers for years. So I think I'm, he's going to be on the practice squad, and if he kicks, they'll probably have a kicking competition the rest of the week. And I'm guessing that they'll feel more comfortable going into Baltimore with inclement weather with Crosby than Haverstick.
1: Yeah, Stafford, by the way, you mentioned him, Vinny. Stats for the year aren't all that great. great. 87.3 quarterback rating, 16 touchdowns and 9 picks. But his last two games, 7 touchdowns, only 1 interception.
3: Yeah, he's been better. He's beat up a lot early on. So I think he's feeling better. And receivers are making plays. And I think having the running game, I think, has helped him a ton, Bob. So he doesn't have to drop back and throw it all the time. Like He's only completing 60% of the passes. Which is not great. He'll Bob. He'll make some like the hell was that? Why he's throwing still do, that? But he could Inter- st- he's thrown a lot of picks.
1: But the the arm time he can still make the yep. throws. because yep. he he's always still- had a plus arm for
3: sure. No doubt about it. And he's thrown nine interceptions. So he he'll throw it to you. you just got to catch it.
1: Kyron Williams, you mentioned him and Puka Nakua. Nakua this year out of BYU fifth round pick, Williams last year, Notre Dame fifth round pick. So they've done an okay job the last two years with their fifth round draft picks. And I think they had like 40 of them this year.
3: Oh yeah, I know. Because they don't have any first, seconds, or thirds. They gave them all, you know, they traded them all away. So yeah, they're they're very fortunate, Bob. Otherwise, because if they didn't have those two fifth round picks they would be uh, they'd be picking extremely high this year.
1: Rams are 6 and 6, they're 3 and 3 on the road. Right now they're the 8th seed in the NFC, but as we've talked about and we'll talk about it more when we come back, we get to NFL lunch, the Ravens schedule, Rams in playoff conversation. Jacksonville right now in the playoffs. Christian Kirk could be out for 8 weeks. San Francisco might be the best team in football. Mm-hmm. Miami the number 1 seed in the AFC and Pittsburgh, who the Ravens wrap their season up with, they're in the playoffs right now as well. So every team left on the Ravens schedule has postseason hopes. Some of them <coughs> big time postseason well, hopes.
3: When you look at when you look at the Rams, Bob, they're six and six. They're at the Ravens Sunday. Then they're home against Washington, home against the Saints. At the Giants. Then at San Fran, the last game, and San Fran may have everything clinched and who knows who will be playing quarterback that game and who will be playing. So, I mean, they they have a chance to get on a run. I mean, they won three in a row, and then they, they lose to the Ravens, then win another three in a row. They'll win six of seven. They'll be pretty hot going into the playoffs.
1: It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. When we come back NFL Lunch, we going to hear from Sean McVeigh, who talked about the Ravens when he met with the media. Stay tuned for that. Coming up at 115, Ryan Wilson, Sports.com, and then Vinny's Feeble Five, who are the five worst teams in the National Football League. If you're just tuning in, we've been talking about this as well. Orioles looks like they're on the verge of signing Craig Kimbrell. To add to the bullpen, uh, veteran reliever, six-time all-star. Does he replace Felix Batista? No. But does he give you someone that can be somewhat reliable? Yes. Not official, but it looks like
0: it's leaning that way.